0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Simply Soccer. I am your host, Michelle Hutink, and my co-host, Christian Conway.
1: Good afternoon. On the close of another fantastic MLS season, probably one of the weirdest we will ever see.
0: Yes, so today we bring you the midfield review, and um, I'm just going to start off by saying, well, we're going to review MLS Cup first. <laughs> yeah.
1: let's, that, not get, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know, we're we're all eager, um, yeah, as are... All Galaxy fans. Um, thank you again for tuning in. For listening. Liking. Subscribing. We really appreciate you. Uh, our numbers definitely. We haven't lost anybody. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, I. Mm, I'm going to say. Like. I'm glad Columbus Crew won. Um, I, I. I. Thought that they were going to be the winners. Um, of course. Y- you wouldn't expect it the way that the Sounders have been playing the coach um you know they're defending champions i th- i think um the favorite to win might have been the Sounders but i i'm here for the Columbus crew after save the crew and the effort that i saw on the pitch when they were missing their you know um the their Dos Santos and Nagby and, you know, a lot of people didn't think that they were going to be able to pull through. And they did.
1: Well, when it comes to betting on Seattle to win this cup final, and again, as I said in, in in kind of our preview, I said, look, I mean, this is what Seattle's built for. I mean, these kind of games are what Seattle's built for. It's just they have at every position they have a guy that's been in these kind of situations before that is going to win them a game. And, and what we saw in, in that game against in the MLS Cup final was that just. You know, it, it was odd because it, it, Seattle just didn't look like they had an, a plan for what um, Columbus was doing. And and I understand the whole entire concept of just like you get punched in the face and usually that kind of occasionally can just, you know, completely change the way that you would approach a match. But it, it did look like after Columbus scored the first goal, Seattle just didn't really have the legs to really compete with Columbus. And and, and, and it's interesting because I think, you know, they lose Darlington, Nagby, and Pedro Santos to coronavirus, And my thought on that was, okay, so... The, the one thing that you have to do very well against Seattle is control the tempo of the game. Like, you have to be able to force them into low-percentage opportunities and control the tempo of, of how they move things. And so I thought, well, look, Darwin Zangby, who's so good at controlling tempo and so good at, you know, just... Again, I think you, you kind of nailed it on the head, where he, his direct comp in MLS is, is, is almost Jonathan DeSantos. I mean, like, they're, they're, you know, carbon copies of each other in terms of what they do so well. And what Jonathan DeSantos does so well is he's kind of the time the timekeeper, right? Like he's the guy that sets the watch in terms of the pace that the galaxy are playing at in terms of the way that he moves the ball. I, I thought that maybe what would happen is that Columbus would just sit in the low block four five, one, and then, you know, just use moments of transit, you know, use moments of transition to basically stuff the ball down Seattle's throat. They had their lines of confrontation incredibly high up the field. I mean, they were pressing from the minute that the ball turned over in the defensive third, which I wasn't really necessarily expecting. And I, I do want to highlight a performance that I don't think has gotten enough um, credit which is that Aiden Morris in that Columbus midfield, um, nineteen years old, making his debut—the youngest starter in MLS Cup final ever—and he dominated Nico Lodero. And you talk about Nico Lodero, and you, I mean his career achievements—you know—roll off the page. I mean, he's a couple of libertadores, and, and he's, he's been in these high-pressure situations before. He he got owned by a nineteen-year-old kid making his first, like one of his first starts for the Columbus Crew, and you know that doesn't happen often for a guy of Nico Lodero's quality. Let's be honest here. Um, but I think what, what just what Columbus does is, is what every team that if you're going to beat Seattle does, which is that Seattle is very good about creating high percentage situations or high percentage chances. They're using Nico Lodero's movement and using Rui Diaz's movement and using Jordan Morris's movement. And Columbus basically said, "All right, cool," and just shut them down and force them into low percentage moments, which is what Minnesota did for 70 minutes against them in the Western Conference Final. Um, I do. I I think you know the the other kind of counterpoint I will add to this game is that. Bruce Arena, I believe, around the 2012 MLS Cup or whatever. And, and I'm sorry that I'm probably going to butcher this quote because it's been that long and this year's felt like five years. Um, he basically said, look, you know, at the end of the day, winning a soccer game isn't that hard. It's just your best players have to be better than their best players. And if you think about it, you know, Nico Ludero, probably the best player in the Sounders, versus Lucas Zellerion, who, who is the best player on the crew, no, no question. I mean, what an electric performance from Zellerion, right? Like, I mean, he was insane in that game. And, and it's just sometimes that's what happens. You're just, your best player is better than their best player. And um, I thought the round was incredible in this game. You know, it did feel like the crew as a team were just a little bit better or like not just a little bit, but, but were miles better than the Sounders. And it was an oddly lifeless performance for the Sounders, which I was not expecting. I mean, there was a, there was a bit of a flash in the pan, kind of the, that first 15 minutes coming out of halftime. But I mean, just Columbus from minute one to minute 90 had, you never felt like this match was out of control for Columbus, right? Like you never felt like this was going to get away from them. Like, you know, I remember texting you and I said, you know, I don't, I, even if Seattle scores, Columbus is getting a third goal here. Like there's no question. Yeah. And and, and it did just feel that like Columbus at every minute of this game had some level of control over the game.
0: I mean, perhaps the Sounders had a bit of predictability by subbing in Will Bruin. And at that point, uh, let's be honest, Caleb Porter had it figured out. Um, he had, he had, um, Sounders number. So I, I really just thought, um, yes, it was a lackluster performance from the Sounders. Which, I mean, I still thought it was strange that they went down three zero. I mean, it was good that Columbus went up early and, and, and definitely all the credit to them. But I really thought that Seattle would at least get one back because then in this way, I feel like the Sounders didn't even stand a chance. Like what, what? and and we could analyze this all day but you know because because of the pandemic and and how you know everybody have been playing and and this was literally east versus west by this point because of you know the the exhaustion of having to play the same teams over and over on their side i really was like really this is the the best a west could do <laughs> well, like you know uh, you know uh, again it's it's a it's a strange year and, and everything but um and definitely it was a good game to watch. Like I like even though it was one-sided, like I never really felt bored. You know what I mean? Um like I had for a lot of uh games to be honest with you.
1: Yeah, I mean also it wasn't boring because Columbus every single time they got in possession was just pinging the ball so effortlessly through the Seattle defense. I mean the Ce- yeah. Seattle Seattle did look like they had lead weights attached to their ankles at times. I mean they just couldn't keep up with what Columbus was doing. I think it you make you make a fair point about about the fatigue of the season and, and maybe that, you know, Seattle did look a little fatigued and the whole entire concept that the West is so good that it cannibalizes itself. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, you, you, look at, you know, Seattle is so good. Portland's fantastic. I, uh, LAFC on their day can be one of the best teams in MLS. You know, their RSL is always a tricky trip. Like there's, there, there's a lot of teams in the West that are very, very good. That makes it very difficult for the West to kind of, I guess, shuffle itself out. Um, it it is interesting to me also that you know, I, I I've long opined that Brian Spencer is probably the best head coach, in in MLS right now. But I, you know, I he got bullied by Caleb Porter and and they didn't really do anything that was you know tactically brilliant. They just you know went out and bullied Seattle. And maybe that's that's the that that's the book on Seattle right now. It's just that you know you can't be you know overawed by what Seattle offers you. You just have to go out there and bully them. I mean they only had thirty five percent possession of the ball. Columbus did and they. Managed to, you know, slam three goals down. So, yeah, sorry. I also do want to give a mention to Galaxy Alon, uh Jossi Sardes, who I think part and parcel. Columbus doesn't win this game if Jossi isn't playing. Like I mean, massive in the defensive third. Yeah, hundred really percent. Really good relieving pressure, and it and it's one of those things where you know, we talk about number nines, and we always complain if they don't get on the score sheet. And next week we will talk about a number nine that did not get on the score sheet, and I will complain about him on, like endlessly. Um, but that's for next week, and I think we all know the player that I'm referring to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Jossie like Jossie's one of those number nines where, you know, he may not get on the score sheet on today, but he's so impactful in terms of what he does. Cause he's, one thing that I've noticed about Josh artist is that he's done very well since he left the Galaxy, and and he never had to do this with the Galaxy, so I, I'm not going to hold it against him that he didn't do it with the Galaxy. But he's gotten really good about using his body and using his positioning to pull defenders out of the play and being you know being able to set up the ball for the guy that's running on. Like that that was something he never really had. it was not something he never had to do with the Galaxy because keep in mind he was playing with you know Robbie Keane, Landon Donovan, David Beckham, whatever they were going to ping him dime balls every single time, right? Like I mean it's just that's he. All he had to do was just put the ball in the back of the net. In Columbus, he's had to do a lot more, and he's gotten really good at doing it. And I think maybe we as a Galaxy fan base underrated Jossie Zardes because there was always the jokes about, you know, his first touch being crap and that he could, you know, he would send five shots into Rosie before even getting something on frame. But
0: Or even watching him play on the U.S. Men's National Team, you're like, really? Like, you know, Jossie is still on the roster, and, like, his goals in U.S. Men's National Team was just really... <laughs> You know, everybody jokes like, "Oh my gosh, like that's just such a silly goal." You know, yeah. it looks like he's falling and and touches the ball in. You know. <laughs> yeah,
1: but it, it he's he's there's a reason he's on national team roster still. Like, no, hundred percent,
0: um, and and obviously that that he plays so many minutes still.
1: Yeah, and and I mean, what Columbus Columbus has figured out how to harness him, I think, and. um you know he's he 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 was massive in this game. I mean, honestly, like there was moments when Seattle was ramping up the pressure. I think around the fifty or 60th minute, he just kept winning headers in the defensive third. And you know it, when the ball would turn over and just Columbus needed an outlet valve, Jossie was there. Um, he's gotten a lot more cerebral with his game, which I think is a very a, a credit to him and, and credit to what he's accomplished. I um, know anyway, I came on this podcast and said that Seattle would win. Um, I I am happily wrong, and I'm happily to concede to my co-host that she was correct. Um, but <laughs> I will say, you know, Columbus winning this, we we just kind of whatever over the X's and is, but, like, I, I do, I, I am a romantic at heart, I will fully admit it, and, I mean, the romantic side of this, right? Like, Columbus in Matt Fray Stadium, in this stadium that has given American soccer so much, that has arguably saved MLS nine times over, it has arguably saved the culture of American soccer... In General, you know, like, I mean, what, what, where would the league be if it didn't have, you know, soccer specific stadiums and so on and so forth? I, this just felt like, you know, the perfect literature poetic ending, right? Like,
0: yeah, I, mean, I was really glad the way it turned out.
1: And then Columbus, I mean, you know, the crew, what a story that is. I mean, you know, the, the founding member of MLS, and then, you know, you, we have this, these, these uncertain months in 2017 or whenever that was, um, where, you know, are they going to leave and in pre-court who kind of came in as this Trojan horse pre who was supposed to save this great franchise and, you know, return it to its former glory and then threatens to move it to Austin. And, you know, the Haslam step up and, and you know, it, this community rallies around this team and and it turns from save the crew to savor the crew. And, and it, it did just, it, it, I think the script, the script writers up up in, in the night sky knew how this was going to end, right? Like, I, <laughs> you know, it. You know, sometimes just the script writes itself, and I think that that was mainly the case with this final. I mean, I, full credit to Columbus. I mean, this this was a this was a dominant performance against one of the top teams in the league, and I mean, and and they had to rely on on players that, like, I mean, Aiden Morris, nineteen years old, the youngest starter in almost cup final. Like, you know, that's not a sure bet, and Derek Etienne Jr., who barely seen the field that year, and he scores a goal in this game. Like, I mean. It wasn't just that Columbus did this, you know, that we were sitting there being like, yeah, Columbus had the best starting 11, just the best, the better starting 11 won on the night. I mean, Columbus had question marks around this entire roster going into this final and completely blew us all out of the water. And it was it was a fantastic, uh, a fantastic showing from Columbus. Um, I think, you know, Brian Spencer said it in the, in the postmaster conference where he said, you know, this is the most disappointing night of my life as a Sounders or uh, as a Sounders as a coach. But he said, we just got played off the field. And, you know, that's that. I, I agree with that assessment 110%. Yeah.
0: and But still, again, like that's, that's why I say um, it, it was, you know, a, I'm trying to think of the right adjective here, but like it was, it, I'm just going to say it was a pleasant surprise to see Columbus crew win. You know, um, I think a lot of expectations were that the Sounders are going to win. But, um, you know, tying it back into the galaxy and, I don't know. Hate to say it, but like you know, here we are, uh, the <laughs> on the outside looking in, once again. But um, really, no, but I uh huh.
1: Really quick, I do want to shout out uh, the rest of the Galaxy alums that are on this Columbus team because apparently the Columbus is now Galaxy East. Apparently, um, Hector oh. Jimenez, uh, John Kempin, and um, <laughs> Justice Artis. Uh, Emma forget. Uh, yeah, Emmanuel Boateng. Yeah, I'm um, Manuel Boateng. I really wish I'd gotten on the field because I really. Yeah, do I was have... gonna
0: say they had used him in the playoffs and he didn't even get subbed in.
1: Yeah, I, I have a soft spot for for uh, for our, for our for our little man Emma. Um, by the way, if you Google uh, Columbus crew on Google, it like has little fireworks that pop up to celebrate their win. It's really cool. Um, but yeah, no, it, I mean it. it just it, it was an it, and, and, and one other player I want to shout out because I, I I I agree with you that you know it was a pleasant surprise to see Columbus win, but I think the pleasant surprise part of this victory. is not necessarily that Columbus won, but it was the way that they went about it. Right. Like, yeah, Columbus could have just easily bunkered this game, easily just sat in a deep, in in the, in in a deep defensive formation and just try to win counterattack moments. But they went out and, and just played Seattle straight up. And
0: well, yeah. And as, and as a MLS fan, you know, you, you have fatigue too from watching, you know, these games. And so to be able to watch this match and be able to see good soccer, um, it's, it's, a, it's refreshing. I think this is what, you know, the fans needed, you know, because I mean, look, there's CCL um going on as well. And let's be honest, like, you know, LAFC is playing tonight, and they're the only remaining MLS team in it. And this is what I mean when we try to say, like, we just want this league to grow. We want to see that they're competitive, you know. Um, and, and maybe you had another point to make, but I was going to tie it back into
1: galaxy. Well, uh, I, I, I do want to make one final player shout out mm-hmm. on this Columbus team because it's a story. Again, I, as I said earlier, I, I'm kind of romantic at heart when it comes to just good stories. Um, Jonathan Mensa was, uh, I believe he's the captain of the Columbus crew, actually. Uh, he was massive in defense. Uh, for the crew that night and he hasn't seen his family or his wife or anything like that due to quarantine restrictions whatever for the past 10 months and so I mean you know I I for him to to have that for the past 10 months hanging over his head and then to come out and captain a team to an almost cup final victory I mean that's a that's an incredible achievement to him and I, I I just you know I wanted to give that a little bit of a shout out and give it a little bit of light because I mean I, I can't imagine what that must have been like
0: yeah again um you know, really, really, congrats to the crew. Um, you know, the, I was gonna say like uh, kudos to the Sounders for like making it far, but yeah, they kind of flopped, floundered, as they say. Um, anyways, but just to tie it back into LA Galaxy, the and we'll, we'll we're gonna be talking quite a bit about this. I think uh, the shoulda, coulda, woulda uh, of the uh, Kayla Porter coach dilemma you know um i i know the galaxy seemed to be sleeping on banny and not sure who else you know the g's are tied to um but a lot of a lot of people were saying like look you hate caleb porter but like he he won now that said i don't think that if caleb porter were the galaxy's head coach that the galaxy would have been in a better place because there's so much more with the with the structure of the club um That has a lot you know deeper roots um you know you can't just cut off a few branches right of the tree like if the tree is sick we got to do something else so um yeah that's that that was the only thing i I was that was coming to mind um you know as you're watching this final knowing that you know our team sat dead last
1: yeah i mean it i'm not a big fan of of looking back and saying oh man if we'd hired Teleporter porter or whatever but it just no just, I, you know,
0: yeah to be honest with you no but but, but it's part of the conversation of what's going on in, <laughs> in our birth
1: well, yeah, it, it does just feel again it i go back to that that quote or that moment where chris klein basically said look mls has left us behind and we need to catch up like it does just feel like every decision that and and, and i i i complained about this in our in our text together where i said look you know like this should have been a done deal yesterday, Greg Vanny. This should have been a done deal yesterday, throwing a check at Brian Spencer. This should have been a done deal, like anyone, you know, maybe even put a head uh, out of America, you know, like we're not giving enough time to this next head coach to prepare. And I mean, that was kind of my big complaint about Shaloto, which is that Shaloto's hired in January of 2018, and it's like he's got a month and a half. Like he doesn't have time. Um, so, you know, they've got to get this done quickly. And I, I mean, there's a lot of good free agents options out there there's a lot of you know uh, stuff that the galaxy can can work through but it, it's just it, it has to happen quickly and i know you know we're, we'll probably talk about that kind of as we get closer to the whole entire like end of season pulling all the threads together wrapping it up but it's just it, you know it does feel like they are resting on their laurels when they need to be moving
0: yeah and you know it's it's the off season but i don't think that anybody should have any time off i think that that they and well, let's just dive right into the midfield. I mean, Joe Corona got picked up by Austin FC and I texted you. So what workhorse are they going to bring in? Now, statistically, Joe Corona didn't have a, a, a great year. Um, he was also injured and, um, you know, he was he had a decrease in, in production. But I just feel like... And, and so part of me is like, okay, let him go, of course. Like, how how, how are you going to make any changes if you hold on to certain players? But at the same time it's a little bit scary because now like what are the options like what what is going to replace that 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 person that you know that you can that you can sub in and he's gonna he's gonna be pretty
1: solid I think I mean Joe Corona he's not the guy that's going to be on the stat sheet right like he's never been the guy that's going to score you know like seven or eight goals out of the midfield he's not you know that kind of player he never has been he as you said he's a workhorse he's a guy that just he's a guy that is good with the ball is, is pragmatic to a fault. will never lose the ball on you. And it's just a guy that's just going to be able to move the ball through midfield. And like, you know, there's always going to be a couple of midfielders in every midfield, of every good team in the world, that just, that's who they are. Like, I mean, that's just, they're not flashy. They're not, you know, whatever. It's just, they're guys like Joe Corona, which just get the work done. Um, look, I mean, the, the, it's, it's going to be an interesting off season because, you know, they're going to have to replace car, as you said. They're going to have to figure out... The one thing about this midfield that I think I was thinking about when, we, when I was prepping for this, which was that it just didn't feel balanced. Like, it did feel like
0: mm-hmm.
1: there were a couple... Like, every single time they tried to figure out a midfield pairing or a midfield you know, trio or whatever have you, it just felt like there was two guys on that field at any given moment that were, that were in the same role, that had the same job. Like, Jonathan DeSantis and Perry Kitchen yeah. have the same job, theoretically, in, you know, in the fact that they're defensive midfielders... Their, you know, you know, their job is not necessarily to find the final pass. Their job is to be the destroyer to, like, get everything done. Uh, Jonathan DeSantis is a little bit more of that connection kind of guy. But, mm. you know, uh, Joe Corona, you know, it, it just did feel like no matter how many, like, whoever they put in that midfield, it always felt like someone was stepping on someone else's toes. And I think, you know, in a, for a good team to be successful is that, I mean, you point to the 2014 LA Galaxy, you know, the midfield. Center duo, uh, Sarvas and Juninho, they had two very separate skill sets, and yet it was completely synergistic. It didn't feel like any of the combinations that the Galaxy tried in the midfield felt synergistic. Like, it did feel like it was just a bunch of people stepping on each other's toes. I do think there's individual parts in this midfield that are very good. I mean, Jonathan Besson is a fantastic midfielder when he's healthy, and, and, you know, I think one of our biggest disappointments this season was the fact that he was not healthy for most of the year, if not all the year. You know, Perry Kitchen kind of revived his career. (laughs) Um, Because, I mean, he really did drop off after, after the Scotland, you know, the Scotland romp Um, through no fault of his own. I think he, he had his, his, his confidence taken out of him by a series of head coaches and, and at hearts that just didn't really do him any favors. Um, He looked good at, at multiple times this year. I think we talked about, or someone on the mega plot said he was one of the top three players in the season. Um, You know, Sasha question, you know, yeah, he doesn't have a lot left in the tank, but when he does have something in the tank, you know, he's very, very good.
0: And he Uh, took a leadership role.
1: Yeah, and, I, and you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see having him it wouldn't surprise me to see if, to see him have the captaincy next year. Excuse me, I got tangled up on my words there. Um, it, it, again, it just did feel like any combination the galaxy did in terms of midfielders felt unbalanced in a way that like, you know, they're going to need to bring in some players to fix that.
0: <laughs> I'm probably going to sound a little um, cranky and. I don't know how, how else to say a uh, critical of the midfield. I know you kind of started off saying before I hit record that these are, I think some of the more positive points that you were going to have. I mean, of course, because I mean, when you look at our forwards and, and we'll get there next week, uh, look at
1: our defense too. I mean, there's nothing else yeah. to be awesome about on this team except yeah. for the midfield.
0: But my biggest issue besides the obvious, uh, with the forwards there and one in particular, um, is the midfield to me was very mediocre it lacked creativity i blame the midfield for a lot of the not scoring because it is their job to be able to to create those chances and the galaxy were not able to play through the middle i mean sure there was this issue of of constant crossing which um Still, I guess there were less crosses statistically this this season, um, you know, but I, I don't know if if they could have played the ball on, on the wing, but any time they tried to play to play through, I was like, no, there is nowhere for this ball to go. Um, Jonathan Dos Santos, he was injured and I, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt as DP as captain, but super disappointing to me. Um, you know, there was no spark when he was on the field. It's like he was he was a ghost too. He might as well not have been there. Um not gonna go as far and say, like, oh, you know, like there's shadows of his brother hanging over. Like, I'm not gonna go that far. But I am I am disappointed in in Jonathan's um performance. It's it was just it's hard to say because there was a time where like the Galaxy were were doing well, right? Like Sebastian legit looked really brilliant Efrain Alvarez had his his shining points um you know even Carlos Harvey had come in and maybe it was just because that that game against Vancouver when he had come in and then uh um ended up getting that that goal that same game I, I think maybe that's what what made them look kind of good um But that, to me, I'm I'm just so frustrated with the midfield because it's the most crowded roster. Um, On paper, they have, like, the most potential. And then you see them out there, and it's like watching a bunch of, like, worse than rookies, dude.
1: (laughs) Well, uh, I think, to to your point about playing through the middle, I don't think the Galaxy ever really intended to be a team that was going to use the ball in possession. Like, it, it did feel like... The plan was, the minute the ball turns over, try to take advantage of moments of transition to get it out to the wings, and then hope the wingers pull some cool tricks, and beat a guy on the dribble, and then all of a sudden you have space and time to move into. Um, and usually, when he handed that duty off to Christian Pavon, he usually was very good about doing that um, because he's a very good soccer player. Um, I I agree with you. I think you know that there's there you know there were some disappointing. Performances mm-hmm. from this. Mid- I mean, Jonathan Santos, of course, is the one that I think that whole entire season long injury was it an injury or was it not? Um, kind of kind of hangs in the balance here. Oh. But you know, again, you you mentioned Gio. I'm like, well, might as well. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, because look, it's gonna, it's going to. Unfortunately, Jonathan dos Santos is gonna be in his brother's shadow. Even even though to me, he was a he is without a doubt. I mean, like Jonathan dos Santos, like should just shake off his brother do you know what i mean like i was glad when Gio was gone and jonathan could could shine on his own
1: um because it, felt, it felt like he could finally focus on being the galaxy and not being his brother's keeper right right right
0: and that's the thing like you know the potential not even just potential you know the way jonathan dos Santos can play you've seen him once once he was on his own and i was just like again pandemic aside um Escalotto aside what the what was that like what like <laughs> what happened I don't know if there's something going on in his personal life, um, but I just, you know, I, I I was really like, where did all that go? Where did it drain to?
1: Um, I, You know, I, I, I agree with you 100%. You know, and also, I, I do want to touch on the chat really quick because I think he was, he was Oh, a absolutely. Lot- yeah, we're I not done. Was-
0: I, just, I just kind of yeah. touching on everybody. I mean, look, I haven't even mentioned Quayle because, obviously, like, <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Um, you know, I do have a crush on him. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
1: shoot shoot your shot girl shoot your shot i'm here for it um i agree with you it did just feel like so i I, so i agree with you that it did feel like that this could have been better that like a lot of the 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 pieces on paper make sense that like theoretically you look at like again it's the same thing i said with the defense you look at these resumes and theoretically it all should work but i go back to my point about balance which i think you know It just, it felt unbalanced. It just didn't feel like they ever were pulling in the same direction. It felt like it was multiple, multiple skill sets pulling in different directions. I will say, and I, and I hate to bring his name up because I, you know, I find the actions of his wife absolutely reprehensible, but I mean, Alexander Katai, you know.
0: He has to be mentioned.
1: This, this, this is a different, you know, like, you know, let's obviously we on this pod are very much against what the, the, the statements his wife made and, and the statements that, you know, I, you know but so, I'm not going to so an guy, not make an assumption about the guy, but if your wife's saying that on Instagram, I think you're quietly complacent in, in yes. agreeing with that. Yes. Um, but, with you know, you. he, you know, I think this, you know, if, if he wasn't a racist shitbag, then, you know, I think this is a different midfield because Katai, you know, for all of his <sighs> shit, um, mm. at least offer something in terms of adding balance width to the midfield.
0: Did you they, you would you would think. I mean, for me, what I saw from Katai in preseason was not impressive at all. Well, also and they, I, I was ready to throw him out. I
1: so was gonna say, the, the two games he pitched, he played <laughs> against a Houston side that was generally uninspiring, and an uninspiring performance against Houston. And then the, that Vancouver loss, which was good
0: yes, more, it, well, it, good, I'm having good I have more, flashbacks. What was that? <laughs> yeah, I have flashbacks, you guys. I try not to think about it, but it just but comes yeah, up. <laughs> you know, like, I,
1: I, look, I, you know, it, Koala was a very interesting, you know, case for me because. You look at – he was drafted in 2019, and, I mean, they relied on him a lot in 2019. Like, Shaloto was in 100% on Coelho, and now he's out of contract this year, and it doesn't look like he's coming back. Like, Sorry, yeah, there, you look know, up
0: a little bit. What were you saying right there?
1: Well, they, I mean, they were all in on Coelho, but now he's okay. either out of contract or he's not coming back next year. Like, I mean, it does. It I mean, that's
0: fine. He was coming in off the bench, and then he was kind of a liability anyway. Like, I, I understand, like, you know, your temper, and, and again, he's a rookie, and things getting... I mean, to be honest with you, um, there was one game, and I can't remember because all the things blur together. There, I just remember Quayle shoving down one of the LAFC players who was getting too aggressive, and, and Quayle stepping in and, like, defending his teammate, and that's the kind of thing that I'm like, all right, you know? Okay. <laughs> but other than that, it's like, dude, like, yeah, I just didn't I just didn't really feel like way was coming in and, and creating any chances like like you like you were saying about a lot of uh similar roles a lot of these similar guys. Um yeah, there's 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 too much of the same in this midfield and that's why it's not just crowded but it's also Like, there just isn't any diversity. There isn't any creativity, like, even to be made uh, amongst the players. And that's not necessarily their fault um, because they are who they are. And, again, I don't know if that's coaching, and I don't know if that's just Galaxy decisions. And, you know, we'll definitely uh, be talking further more about, you know, moving forward here, like, what the club can really do to rebuild. But, you know, it's,
1: you know, go ahead. Well, to your point about Coelho coming off the bench and what, Whatever. I mean, that's the other thing about this Galaxy team is that they are not deep at any position. I mean, you know, so if you look at well, let's let's take the Sounders, MLS Cup champions. I mean, they would Gustav Svensson come off the bench in that game. Gustav Svensson, who you know is a well decorated European player, and he's not even in the starting eleven. Like that's you know, good teams in MLS are built that way that they have the strength off the bench because look, I mean, MLS is a difficult league. It's physically de- demanding, your, your travel, you know, your travel considerations are much harder than any other league in the world. I mean, you know. You know, the Premier League team, they get on a bus and it's a two-hour drive. You know, for the Galaxy, it's a five-hour plane flight, you know, mm-hmm. in, in, on a commercial aircraft. Um, so, you know, I, I think the the smartest teams in the league right now are, are basically saying, look, we don't need to be spectacular 1 through 11. We just have to be solid. We have to be good 1 through 23. And it did just feel like the Galaxy, you know, at every position, and I know we're we're kind of getting at the global thing, but I think this does, this does matter when we, when we talk about the midfield. You know, the, 1 through 23, 1 through 11 was good. 12 through 23 was, uh, I don't know, you know, like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, the difference between a team that can bring on like Gustav Sensen versus a team that can bring on, you know, like Kai Kerenia or Emil Coelho, who, you know, no shade to them, but they're not, you know, they don't have the, the career achievements nor the experience and ability that Gustav Sensen has. Like it, it, it's two different worlds. And I think that's what the Galaxy are lacking. Um, and especially in the midfield, because, you know, we, we, we talk about this concept of balance and, you know, if they, were able to have more options in the midfield in order to rebalance it, then I think you know it, we'd be talking about a different season. It's just you know they they don't they don't have that right now, and i mean you're sure they 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 made a bet on Efron Alvarez turning good and I mean there was moments but i I don't think we're there yet um and i i I am almost willing to give up the experiment at this point in time um but you know it, it just yeah it, like i mean when your bench is like Emil Coelho and Kai Kareniak and then like some Academy kid we've never heard of that's right. supposed to be the next big thing. And he doesn't turn out to be the next big thing. It's like, he, how can you be competitive in this league? And, it, you know, and, and, and I know, you know, I hate, to, I hate to mention them on this podcast because we're, we're galaxy folks podcast, but I mean, LAFC ran into the same thing this year, which was that LAFC's one through 11 is really, really good. But then they're bringing on like Brian Duke who like, I mean, he's supposed to be a good player and he showed tweaks or like flashes of it. But really? Like, you know, is mm-hmm. that what you really want to bring in in a must-win game against Seattle? Like, I don't know about that, you know?
0: You know, 100%. 100%. And again, I, I titled this Simply Soccer so we could we, we can touch on things when when needed. Yeah. Um, but no, we're definitely no, galaxy. Like galaxy. Oh no, I was gonna say no, we're definitely galaxy centered, and and I'm so sick of LaFC being in galaxy conversations. But you know, what, what are you gonna do? <laughs> well, it's,
1: um, it's, it's, it's an easy thing to have because I mean, it's it's geographically close. Like that's it, it's 100%. the reality of having a a rival yeah. in the same city as you.
0: Yes, and and that's kind of LaFC's like purpose now is like this antithesis to the. The galaxy or the foil or whatever you want to call it but um you know i i do find I, I do find it difficult to assess um you know with this midfield because it's just statistically the galaxy overall we're just not good this is the worst season ever um and and you know there's a number of factors for that but i'm not going to sit here and and make any excuses for them um you know um as far as carlos harvey goes like he 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 was thrown in into you know a situation where he had to sink or swim and like what what was he supposed to do you know what i mean um so it at this point because there are so many roster changes uh hanging in the balance uh i i'm really i i think other than the obvious like defense um you know cuz from top to bottom as i as i'm sitting here like ranting i'm like wait a minute cuz like you can't you can't just fix one side of this team cuz for a long time i felt like the midfield was the galaxy's strong point um obviously with with someone like zlatan ibrahimovic in the in the top like you know they that 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 um he blocked whatever problems the Galaxy had right so when I say like okay I don't know how much changes can can be made in the in the back line right now but the midfield to me is it's just so super important I mean you know if if we're really gonna focus on something I, I felt like for the longest time the midfield was the Galaxy's strongest point point. and this season from the start like you said that Houston game that Vancouver game pre-pandemic while a small sample size I feel like this was the one season when it started when I was like, oh, no, now our midfield is, is messed up.
1: Well, also, and, uh-huh. I think a lot of teams figured out that the Galaxy did feel uncomfortable possessing the ball through midfield, and basically what they did was they flooded the space and forced the Galaxy to go wide. Like, you mm-hmm. know, in a perfect world, if the Galaxy were doing this on a training field or they're not playing against an opposition, the plan is to get the ball to LeJet's foot and have LeJet centrally and, and, and kind of create through there as kind of a pseudo number 10. And again, we're getting this whole entire conversation about how number positions are meaningless. Um, but, you know, <laughs> it's just, that's, that's a podcast for another day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it just, it did, it did feel like, you know... But the thing is, like, for example, like, the plan is simple. It's just get, you know, like, either get the ball on the Jets' foot or, you know, Jonathan DeSantis' foot and, and let him work. And, like, it just didn't feel like they wanted to do that like it did just it, it it yeah i don't know it and i'm sure some of it's escalado I, I i i don't discredit that but it did just feel like like you know like it didn't it didn't feel like and again we again we talked on this concept of balance but it's like it just felt like you know like i wanted more out of Legit and dos santos and and just like all of that stuff i just i I want it's like it's, like, it, it, it's almost there right like you can tangibly see it like, like it's just we need the players and the staff and the organization to get it, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, to be honest with you, when I started these notes and and when, you know, we were going to be recording... In, in general, I, I like to keep these episodes about 45 minutes so they fit in everybody's commute, right? Um, or whatever. Um, your workout. Um, yeah. but, but the thing is, like, I, I really thought we were going to have a lot more to say. But then even as we're recording right now and even as I was taking my notes, I was like, you know what (laughs) long and short of it is that this was not enough. It's mediocre. And, and like, I like to the point that I was making was, you know, it's the most disappointing because I felt like, yeah, the galaxy's midfield was, was always strong. And then I, I don't know what exactly happened, but it, it just wasn't. And and so moving moving forward, um, especially if they're going to start, because because maybe the problem is, you know, the the galaxy try to build around their their forwards. And I think I think if possible, and your backline needs to always be solid. But at the same time, we've watched the galaxy struggle with a, a poor backline. But to me, the midfield is super important um, and, and and key to if you're going to be scoring goals and if if you want to make it to the playoffs. Um, and through the playoffs,
1: I think your midfield has to be solid. Well, also, keep in mind, they did spend $9 million on a certain center forward that we'll be talking about next week that mm-hmm. they have basically said we're building the team around, which I don't know, right? I know, <laughs> I, know. I know.
0: And, and and that that is where... Um, I will leave it because we will, well, we will well, definitely come at you next week with that. Uh, you know, I, I will say no, there, no spoiler alerts. Go ahead.
1: I will also say there, there are some options through free agency that could be very useful. Sure. Galaxy. I mean, there, will Trap is kind of the name that pops up to me the, the most aggressively. He's always, but you know, you got Kellen Rowe.
0: Trapp, oh well, there was a rumor that he was being picked up already by another club. Um, it, it's
1: I'm sure it's it's going to be like the NBA free agency where it's there's rumors abound. Um, I mean, you could bring back Jeff Lorenowitz. He's still good for something. Uh, Hector Jimenez. You could bring him out of Columbus. He's still good. I mean, like you know, there are there will be options and there will be abilities there absolutely to pick up a couple of veterans that actually could get this thing together. They're they, but they needed they need to get moving, and it's like it, that's my concern is that it, it's been very static, yes. and they need to get moving.
0: Yes, and as a Galaxy fan, you cannot harp enough that you don't trust Klein. You don't you don't really know now like if they're gonna sleep on good players because we can't even have a rebuild if we're not even building a good team and this club is like imploding, you know. Um we'll we'll have to I mean that's all we can do is wait and see. I I find it very tough, especially for long term uh long time. Not just not just moving forward looking in the future. I hope anybody that joins us decides to stay. But, you know, us galaxy fans since 96 since 2005 whatever whenever you join you know it it's gonna be a rough rough road moving forward and to to stand here and say i'm a i'm an la galaxy fan you know and kind of i mean you don't have to explain it or prove it or defend yourself but i i am tired of sitting here you know talk talking like uh like an like an old person, just like looking back and thinking the past was better than now. I don't want to sit here and do that and constantly, you know, reference the five cups and the and the the hardware. Like I'm, I'm especially as a long term, long time Galaxy fan. Like it, it's it's really it's really hard right now. So hang in there, guys. We're here for you. We're in it together.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, Chris Wondolowski available on free agency. Why the hell not? Right? You. <laughs> yeah. I <know>. How dare <laughs> I you? wash your mouth out
0: with soap <laughs> 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 <How> dare you <laughs> uh, all right well
1: well, we, well we've stolen one great forward from san jose before why not do it again right
0: oh god i'm i i think i started bleeding internally uh, <laughs> medic um <laughs> no no i'm so done no because he beat donovan's record i will never not be salty about that um
1: I, I i i want i'm Landon not to come so out. desperate that i'm gonna get one on my team no i no. want i want Landon to come out of retirement just to reset the record like i yep. that's i oh, desperately God. want that so badly <laughs>
0: uh i don't know because okay because here's the theme right because um if we're doing this um uh, a j de la garza is is ready to be released as well and the the thing is like you know you you as a galaxy fan we're like we did you wrong like come back you know but at the same time it's like well janino had come back and it wasn't the same and you know there's there's a lot of that um nostalgia once again that's that's kind of there and why you want to why you want why you want him back um but at the same time if if we're doing this i don't want Wondolowski. like bring aj de la garza back then
1: So, so we're doing this So, a quick point on the Juninho point. I think the Galaxy knew exactly what they're getting and bringing back Juninho, a 36 year old guy that had just torn his ACL and was clearly probably not going to play a lot of games. Like, he was the Galaxy always seemed to have these one or two players in the roster where it's just kind of like an older guy that knows the league that's just there to kind of help the kids out, you know? I think, and and Juninho has, you know, said he wants to go into coaching, whatever. And I mean, like, I think mainly he was here to keep him fit while he was working on his coaching badges or something like that. You know, like, I don't think necessarily he was brought in to be a starter on this team. I mean, I think the assumption with AJ is going to be very different that AJ will be expected to be a very large contributor on this team. If is brought back in, I mm-hmm. will say it is a very interesting situation in Miami because Diego Alonso, the head coach thought he was fired. told the players in the staff that he was leaving and that he was fired. And inter Miami came out and said, uh, we didn't officially do that. Like we are still, <laughs> we're still trying <laughs> to figure he, out. I mean,
0: did he want to resign? Like, I don't no, know. He,
1: he literally thought he was fired and, and inter Miami said, we uh, never God. said you were fired um so <laughs> I, if, if I'm if I'm AJ LaGrosse, I want to get out of that tire fire as soon as possible um yeah no I I mean I I offered the
0: get out the, of Florida I
1: offered the Wondolowski yeah. I offered the Wondolowski suggestion tongue in cheek um obviously um I mean,
0: please, okay, you guys like don't quit on this <laughs> Christian's not to be fired I know him enough really. <laughs> but
1: I, I I I would like I you know I mean I really hope they, they get active in free agency because there's a lot of interesting uh options available I, I would love to see AJ back in the galaxy jersey I just will caution uh Sometimes the sequel is not as good as the original when it comes to Well,
0: right, and, so if, and if I' just
1: you know pumping the brakes there just real quick,
0: no hundred percent and and if we're and if and if the galaxy are are making moves to be like like true moves that are really headed toward that rebuild that we're talking about, I'm sorry, no, you cannot you cannot bring in a g de la Garza or or anybody um. Else right now until because it's hard to say right because it's just like I have a client still there, okay, okay um you know but if but if we're gonna if we're gonna start rebuilding this roster to be winning and and again w- without knowing who the who the coach is and and you know the other problematic things that that make me worry about the galaxy making making playoffs <laughs> in a in a run a few years from now even um I I just say like yeah no uh, you know as much as I as I love AJ De La Garza and and Juninho even Sasha Kleshton like because he showed that leadership like I mean you know do you go younger like the Efrain Alvarez Alvarez's of the the world you keep giving them their shot I mean other people I'm already seeing are like no Alvarez is done he's you know didn't live up to his potential and he's only 18 and not even done yet but everybody's like done um you know, it it's uh, it it's hard to say. You know
1: what? Well, also, I think what, the, what the
0: are going to be the best best moves, and there's still other issues still still there. You know, yeah.
1: And and I, I, we're definitely getting at conversations when we kind of wrap everything up next week. We'll we'll be talking about, but you know, kind of I guess a teaser for that is like, look, I mean, sure, in a vacuum, all these decisions make sense, and everything's great, and everything's awesome. They just don't have a framework right now. Like and yeah. they don't have a head coach to provide that framework, you know. And theoretically, Dennis Tokosa should be the guy that's doing it, but it's clear that he's not been able to impart his framework on this Galaxy team. And you know, at what you know, what who who bears that responsibility for not allowing Dennis Tokosa to really impart his his framework?ing It's like, is it just Dennis Tokosa? Is either too idealistic or too you know? whatever have you to to be able to do it is it you know chris Klein's just active participation prevents that from happening so the fact that he can't you know convince a head coach that will kind of work in concert with him there's there's questions here and i think we will definitely be asking these questions next week but it's like you know i think you know probably a perfect segue into next week's episode is like you know there's it doesn't seem like there's a structure for any player in this organization to be successful right like it just doesn't feel like the structure around the club allows for anyone involved with it to be successful
0: All right. Well, that said, uh, we will be seeing you next week. Thank you again. Thanks, Christian. Like Like and subscribe.